First off, welcome everyone to this week's edition of the Commercial Real Estate 101 Meetup. For those of you guys who are new or just tuning in, uh, we actually started the meetup back in April of 2020. And ever since then, we've been slowly growing and expanding our, our presence. And you know, now we have been doing a lot of online components. Uh, so that's given us the opportunity to reach out to people like Rod, who's an expert in uh, various different fields, but primarily related to commercial real estate. And now he's branching out into helping a lot of uh, independent contractors uh, expand their business. And that's going to be the topic today, which is really Knowing Isn't Doing, which is a phenomenal book, uh, which I highly recommend you guys check out. It, it really is a great book. And I've utilized it in my own business uh, even just over the last couple of weeks. So uh, welcome, Rod. Uh, oh, the- thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And I, I can't wait to get into the conversation, certainly get into the book, but uh, here to answer any questions at all. So let's get started. Yeah, for sure. So generally, when we have people come on the call, what we like to do is learn a little bit more about them, uh, especially for those who are pretty new uh, to the to the, the the meeting. So can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself? What got you in to really what you're doing now? Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm an off again, on again entrepreneur. I've had my uh, share of corporate jobs, jobs, employment jobs since uh, grad school. I went to grad school at Duke University in about over cheese and crackers a long time ago. So I think I graduated in 87. So, uh, uh, you know, the corporate jobs, but every time I was always had something interesting, I, I just wanted to do something else besides a corporate job. And every time I got another corporate job, I felt like it was just not for me. So I, at one time I start uh, my own watch company. Uh, we actually invented a sports watch. Actually, yesterday was an anniversary of our uh, our patent. I think it was in 2001, I think we got a patent for the sports watch, but that didn't go anywhere because I didn't know how to market a sports watch. I didn't know how to capitalize. I didn't know anything about running a company back then. Um, and then I joined another law firm to go ahead and run their firm as a CFO. Then before I knew I was running a firm as a COO of a telecom firm, we took public. And that was all interesting, but again, it just wasn't there. I did some, uh, I've always been in commercial real estate in one way or another. I've always, my father was a owner's rep as far as consultant, not the today's landlord rep thing, but consultant. And he had me reading leases when I was, when I was in my early teens, believe it or not. I couldn't understand why. He said, Rod, this is the essence of business. And he was right, it was. And so I got my real estate career early in about 89 and, and went in and out of having my own firm, other firms, you know, being an executive for an, an international firm. And finally, in the Great Recession, when that hit, no job, no, you know, very little money. And I said, man, what, look at all the mistakes I made over my years of, of, of professional business. Then at that point, right, 20 years of professional business, said, you know what, I got to do something different. So I decided to start the Massimo Group, which Raphael was just me. The Massimo Group was just me. Um, and yeah, we're getting right up to our 13-year um anniversary coming up. And today we have, you know, we've had thousands of clients we've worked with over the time and helping them build their businesses, building the lives they want. And we have, as of today, we just added three more. We have 32 coaches across North America coaching our stuff. And so, yeah, I, I decided to build a coaching practice and stop, stop chasing other people's dreams, being an employee and said, you know what, create my own dream. And Look, people are going to say right now is a tough time. I'm going to tell you right now is there's no better time to start your business and pursue your dream than today. And 2008 was horrible, worse economically than today. It was. 
but great time to start a business. Yeah. Especially a coaching business right in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, I'm sorry, right in the middle of the recession. I'm sure that was, there were some sleepless nights, I'm sure at least initially. Uh, but that's well, awesome. coaching business was not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's why, that's why I mentioned it. Like, and I did read a few other, other books and you talk about that progression. And it's kind of interesting that, you know, that was your thought process at that time, but it's turned out great for you. I mean, the, it seems like you guys are doing phenomenal work with a lot of different people. So that's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You know, we didn't realize not only did I not have any money, no one else had money to pay for <laughs> coaching yeah. back when I started, but yeah. that's why you have to dig in and, and be committed. And that's the thing. Are you committed? And so I finally got committed to doing it. That's awesome. Well, the, the, the purpose of this meeting is really to talk about business growth. And I think you did a phenomenal job in your book uh, to kind of explain that. But I think one thing that, you know, people who are either new into business or maybe you've been in business for a long period of time, sometimes they just don't understand the different components that are involved within a business. And I know you do a really good job of outlining each of the components within your book. Can you kind of explain what those components are? Um, and then we'll kind of dive into each one individually to kind of give people an understanding of what uh, to look out for. So. Sure. If you're an independent contractor, let's say for the sake of this, making this ease, ease of, uh, so let's say you're a, a commercial real estate agent. So you're an independent contractor for a brokerage firm or maybe an independent contractor for a design firm, you know, or you're, or you're, you know, Jeff Bezos running Amazon. The fact is, you, well, no, he's not any longer, but the fact is you both have a role. You do, believe it or not, you both have similar roles. And that is you have a company, whether you're Jeff Bezos or independent contractor, and that company has five divisions, sales, marketing, operations, finance, and HR. Every company has those five divisions. They do. So when you recognize that and you run your business like a business and become the CEO of your business, it's amazing how much you can look at things and start creating things to truly have a platform to create immense cash flow, great, and more importantly, uh, incredible wealth. Definitely. No, of course. And, and, and you elaborated on those five key components. And the first one you kind of talk about in the book is really the sales uh, portion, which for a lot of people, that is a, uh, obviously that's the lifeblood of any business. So uh, can you kind of elaborate a little bit on, you know, developing a customer avatar? I know you talk about in the book and kind of elaborate on how that works. And then as far as the value proposition is concerned, because again, someone's going to have to want your product or your service and what value are you really providing that individual? So could you kind of elaborate on those two concepts? Sure. Uh, avatar being, you know, your ideal client, who you want to work with and what you have to offer to that client is the value proposition. But whenever you're, whenever you're starting out, you may just have, you may think you can serve everybody and that's a mistake and that was going to hold you back. But you should, you have one avatar initially, right? If they do this, I can serve this, right? If they buy pies, I can make pies, right? And then someone who wants to buy pies for, and then going back to Sally, the pie maker on the book, The E-Myth, which is one of my favorite books. But just look at that, you know, if, if we, we start out with one avatar, who can afford coaching? And that's like our avatar, right? It didn't matter. But then we realized there were different niches. So we had new to business, had different needs, they did. Mid-careers has different needs. And those that are producing at a certain level have different challenges and different needs. So we start creating three avatars, Ned or Nancy Newby, Peter or Paula Plateau, or Bob or Betty Topper. Those became our avatars. And still to this day, those three core programs are really what we do to serve the marketplace. Now, we're being pulled to different directions. Now we're, hanging, we're having CEO issues. We're having, uh, we just had an attorney call to say, we need help with this thing. So. But you got to be core, be, be core and committed to your avatars, know who they are, know their challenges, 
I could go on for a half an hour and telling you about Peter Plateau, who he is, what he's like, challenges he has, you know, how he feels, what he believes, what he reads. I could tell you all about that I do in the book, but you got to know your avatar that well, because once you know them that well, then you can articulate a value proposition, right, that will resonate with them. And they'll say, you know what? They get me. They're not another commodity. They're not another real estate broker or web designer or chiropractor, whatever it might be, right? They get me. They know me. They, they talk to me in my language. You can only do that when you understand who, you're, who that prospect is in a very deep way. Oh, of course. And, and, I, and I took your advice and I sat down one day and just kind of wrote through who would be my ultimate, you know, avatar. And so I came up with not necessarily the three customer avatars that you had, but I had one or two different avatars that I was really focused on. And I've been trying to see if how I can incorporate that into, you know, the, the offering that I have when I sit down with clients. So that's, I, I, I think it's phenomenal. Now, did you, have you named your avatar? Have you no, I, have, I haven't named them yet. I should. You're right. I should that's a huge step. Know. It is. Uh -huh. That's it. You got, because once you have that, that name in your mind and for all of you have to make up the name, right? I said, Peter Plateau, because that, that's a, that's a, that's someone who just plateaued is stuck, can't grow. So you should all absolutely, you should name your avatars because then you know who you're talking to and you speak that language. Oh, for sure. So kind of along the sales route as well. I mean, you talk a lot of in your, a big portion of your book is also related to prospecting. And that's one of the most hated activities by a lot of people. And I, I kind of fall in that category as well. I don't love prospecting. And, but I think one thing that is so important about what you're saying is that it's about the consistency. It's about getting out there and, you know, making sure that you're able to get in front of as many clients as you can so that you can offer value to those individuals. So can you tell us a little bit about some of your strategies for number one, uh, consistently getting out there and, and prospecting and number two, like how do you get over some of the initial hesitation as it pertains to, you know, making those calls? Yeah. Well, first of all, I used to hate making calls. I, I admit it. I, I really, I just, I feel like I was bothering people. And man, if you, if, by the way, if you feel that way, you shouldn't be making calls. So that means you don't believe in your product, your service, and you don't have the value to present to somebody. If you truly feel you're bothering someone, then you don't have it. Don't do it figure it out, get back to figuring out what the product or service is, believe in it and provide it. So I get it. It's hard. Uh, right now, though, I would tell you, I've come to the point where I've done so many thousands of calls and I have a team that does them that to me, it's it's fun. I mean, it truly is. <laughs> it just is. So a couple of things. Number one, you got to understand you're never going to reach your goals, never going to reach your goals unless you or your team prospects every single day, just what it is. Uh, we had one of our top producers in the world drop by a group call yesterday just to just to just he wanted to say hi and someone asked him what's the secret sauce there is no secret sauce in anything by the way uh there is no silver there is no silver bullet but there is silver buckshot a lot of things consistently can make a lot of money so he said look i don't care what you all do if you're not prospecting every day you're not gonna make money it's just that simple so you gotta know what your goals are and then some people need to be motivated by their goals i want to you know yeah i want to roast as much. I don't care how much you're gross. I care how much you take home. I heard the other day, revenue is for vanity and net income is for sanity. And I, I mean, man, that's it, right? I don't care how much you gross. I care how much you take home to your family. That's what I care about. So it's the thing of knowing your goals and seeing how you can align those goals, financial, personal, professional, to what the outcome needs to be. And then realizing you've got to get in front of people, right? Uh, Grant Cardone would say, uh, the more contacts, the more contracts, right? And that's what, that's the truth. That is the truth. No contact, no contract, no contract, no, no income. 
no cash flow, right? That's a problem. So for me, it's now of I have a I have a goal in, in my in my main room when I walk into the office and I, when I see it when I walk out, that tells me what my goal is for the year. I know to get to that goal. The only way for me to get to that goal is two ways, right? Leveraging people, my sales team to make the calls. I talk to my sales team every day, by the way, every day, every morning we talk about the day and every night we connect about what happened that day. It's, it's ultimately changed our revenue. Uh, and then I remind myself, this is what I need to do from my perspective. It's a reminder, a goal. Here's what I want to get to this year. And I can't get there unless I pick up the phone. Very simple. For sure. No, that's some great advice for sure. So now that we've kind of talked a little bit about, you know, the sales uh, aspect, I kind of want to dive a little bit into the marketing aspect because mm -hmm. it is a two-pronged approach. Um, and I think one of the great things that you talk about in your, in your book, and I'm still working on this list. I have a pretty good list at this point, but you, you reference your top 100. Uh, individuals. So how do you leverage those top 100 individuals to kind of help you expand your business? Yeah. Um, remember, folks, sales is not marketing and marketing is not sales. They're completely different. I know people package them the same sales and marketing, but they're not. If you, if you treat them the same, you're going to miss out. Sales is prospecting. Sales is asking for business. Marketing is present. How you're known, who are the influencers? So the top 100 theory and the way that I came up with that concept, because in my first two books I wrote, these top producers kept on telling me I had my top 100. And I said to someone, can you tell me what that means? So I shake my head the rest of the time. What does that mean? I said, look, who are the 100 people in your market, whether you know them or not? And that's the point. Whether you know them or not, that have the greatest impact on your future, professionally, right? On your future. You've got to get in front of those people. You've got to get them to know you. They may not... You may not know them, but they got to get to know you. I, I don't know if I share the story in the book or not. In fact, I don't think I did. One day I got a call from a woman who claimed to be, claimed to be the, the executive assistant to Steve Forbes. And for those maybe too young, Steve Forbes ran for president twice, but more importantly, he's the CEO of Forbes, <laughs> Forbes Inc., Forbes Magazine. So I was like, yeah, BS on this. So I was talking to her and I was Googling her name. And lo and behold, she was, a, she was the executive assistant to Steve Forbes. So I said, you know, I said, uh, I think her name was Darlene. You know, how, how can I help you? I, I was shocked, flabbergasted. And he, he heard about my book. He wanted to get a copy of my book for his daughter who was getting into the industry at that time. And so, of course, I sent him five books. But the point was, I didn't know him. I knew of him, I didn't, but he knew me. And that's, that's where I just said, I realized then, you can get known to, to anyone. Anyone you think is too big, that's BS. It just is. Everyone can know you. So Top 100 is all about getting known to these 100 people. You do that in three formats. Personally, there's a way to do that. I talk about it in the book, personally getting to know them. Physically, sending them stuff. You do that, I talk about it in the book, cheap ways, really inexpensive ways to get in front of people. And then digitally, which today is so common, right? You get them in the rotation. But that personal, physical, digital approach to your top 100 will get you known and get you leads and get you influencers and help you grow your revenue. That's awesome. And you, 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 you mentioned, I guess, that, that you need to get in front of, I'm assuming these are individuals who, you know, are either in your space or have at least corollary relationships that may help you in your space. So how do you, you I guess you determine who those individuals are? Um, is that just a little bit of research on your front just to be able to kind of there's, there's uh, and, and one of my favorite books is The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, mm. amazing book. And he talks about the circle of of relationships and what people don't realize 
a significant amount of your relationships, if you truly want to grow your business, will come what he calls um, affiliates, right? People that you don't know, you know, they don't know you, you got your friends, your family, you know, there's, there's some type of affiliation somewhere with these folks, right? Those tend to be, because you can, what happens is friends and family, if you just focus on that, you'll have good relationships, but they'll be so small, the number, the quantity, right? When you, when you expand beyond that, then the, the relationships get wider and broader and deeper. Then you get to the point where having these associations as the affiliate. So that's, you got it. And, and what we talked about also in that book was every community, and this is true. Every community has a connector or connectors they, and everyone knows who they are and they know everyone. And just because they're, they're the guy, they're the girl. That, that's, they, oh, I have a guy, I have a girl. That, they, that's those, you got to know who those connectors are. And if you ask enough people, you know, who are the top influence? Ask people, who are the top influencers in the market to you? Ask, ask your vendors, ask your customers, ask everyone. Who are the top, you know, influencers to you? Let them tell you. Get to know those people. That's awesome. That's phenomenal advice. So now that we've kind of touched on some of those points, uh, I was wondering if we could explore a little bit of what you mentioned related to revenue and net income. Uh, obviously, you know, that's the revenue number is what a lot of people look at and they, to 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 dictate what whether your business is actually succeeding. But like you said, net, net income is really what is going to allow you to have the freedom that you ultimately desire. So can you talk to us a little bit about some of the common pitfalls people make in particular related to budgeting? Because I know that's something that uh, is obviously a very common problem. <laughs> Man, you read that book. <laughs> yeah, I did. I'm telling you. But, not only did you. but here's the point, right? The title of the book, Knowing Isn't Doing. Not only did you read the book, that's knowledge, but now you're applying it and that's the doing, that's the action. And it's the action that creates the revenue. So so kudos to you, man, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so look, like I said earlier, revenue, vanity, income, sanity. I used to run to my wife's office. She actually runs all our numbers for us. She's a, she's a uh, CPA, she was, and, and but now she's our CFO. And I say, hey, what a month we had. Do you see the revenue we got? And she looked at me every time, I do that now. And she says, Hey, uh, hey, uh, rocket. She sometimes she calls me, hey, buddy, or hey, dude. Um, I don't pay the bills with your revenue. I pay the bills with your net. I said, oh yeah, that's right. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't save based. We save based on your net. So and that's the point. So then, most businesses, unfortunately, most independent contractors as well, don't run their business like a business. Therefore, they don't do P and Ls. They don't do budgets. Those are all so essential. How do you know? You just think you have a hobby. That's, that's what you got. You got a hobby if you're not tracking numbers, tracking effort. So budgeting, you got to be careful because budgeting, you say, okay, I'll, I'll make sure I don't spend enough money, right? That's what everyone says. To make much, I have revenue. If I minimize my expenses, I'll have more income. That's a myth, by the way. It just is. Because in fact, you have to you know, invest more in yourself, invest more in your business to get exponential returns to drive the revenue. If you just hold tight to everything, you're not going to drive. You're not going to drive revenue, and in fact, you're going to lose income. So when you budget, when I look at something, someone, and we look at the budget every month and then every quarter, doing obviously we're doing this weekend because it's the end of the quarter based on the recording we're doing this. Uh, if I am, if it's not, and this was just use this word, I don't believe it. Spent. How's that, that for a word? If I have not spent as much on marketing and advertising. I'm like, great, I made more money. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I may have made more money this month or this quarter, but now I lost money going in the forward because I didn't spend the money that I budgeted for advertising and marketing. Same thing with commissions. If I see my commissions are down, great. 
great. Commissions are down. No, that's not good. <laughs> that means sales are down, right? That's that's things you have to understand. Things that are correlated to the future income from a budging perspective, understanding your numbers is paramount. Yes, I'm a numbers nut. I admit it. I I I and my drives my team crazy, but numbers never lie. They tell us so much about our business if we track them. So you gotta track them, but budget, PL, everything. Yeah, for sure. And and I, I've done that recently with with uh, QuickBooks, right? Incorporating that into my my practice. And weekly, I try to review the numbers and try to allocate expenses and revenue into different categories so that I have an up-to-date P&L. Uh, but also, like you said, you still have to understand that, you know, just because you may make more in one month, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you've done the right things in order to make sure your revenue increases over time, especially if you've slacked in maybe the sales portion or maybe uh, marketing as well. So that's some great advice. Um, so I guess one of the things that I would be quite interesting in particular related to independent contractors, uh, maybe not so, it, it, I guess it, it does also apply in, in commercial real estate. So related to increasing fees, cause that's one of the ways that you mentioned in the book that you can increase, you know, the revenue. Uh, and especially if you start, as you start feeling more comfortable in your role and you start believing that you were delivering a lot more value there, that may be an opportunity for you to now raise your fees. And you kind of talk about how you were able to do that, or your, I think one of your one of your uh, one of your case studies was able to do that uh, over time. So, could you kind of elaborate a little bit on when it would be appropriate to raise fees, or maybe another strategy you can take in order to you know increase the the top line of the of the company? Yeah, well, when you start now, you're you're and look, this is this is I did it, so I can't say it was a mistake. It, maybe it was a mistake, but I did because I had to. Right, my fees were. My fees were a number. I think I was charging at that time $250 an a, uh, a month, a month for me to coach somebody. It was a ridiculous number. It, it was. Um, and, but I needed it, right? But the problem was when I, when I just like supply and demand, I got enough clients to say yes. The problem was I got a lot of clients to say yes to that number. And now I had no life. Now I was working 17, 18 hours a day. And I, I talk, I never talk, I talk about this in some other podcasts. I don't know, you know, to my former clients 12, 12 years ago, I apologize. I would strategically schedule the talkers later in the afternoon than those who didn't talk because I had to be more attentive in the morning than I was in the afternoon because I'd be falling asleep. And that was no way to serve a, a client or a company. So then I said, okay, I had to increase my prices. And then I did, I just slightly, maybe $500 a month. And then you know, some clients said yes, some clients said no. And then I, then I took a, and I said, you know what? Let's see what happens if I increase it 100%. What's going to happen? Because I had enough client base that to take on any new clients, I said, let's see what would happen. And lo and behold, I got more clients, right? Because by this time, my, my presence, presence, marketing, reputation, results that we we're having with our clients, we're starting to get, you know, known in the marketplace. At least you can leverage those with success stories and the like. So there's two, you said a huge word right earlier, Rafael. You said an amazing word that people didn't catch. I caught it right away. But you were used the word belief. When can you, when do you believe you can, that is another totally separate, but absolutely just equally important, if not more important element. Do you believe in yourself enough or your product or your service to raise the price, right? Raise the fee. And look, here's the thing. The market, the capitalism is the best thing in the world. It truly is. Because the market's going to tell you yes or no. They just, they just will. It, it will. We try to raise our, 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 our coaching fees at one time substantially. And the market said no. Okay, we learned. We learned in those 90 days this isn't going to work, right? 
And so we went back to a different price point and that worked. You'll learn, but you're not gonna, you're never gonna increase your prices if you're scared, afraid, you know, you're concerned. Just try, just level the price and see what the market tells you. Now, I'm hoping as you raise your prices, you also back to your initial comment when we first started out was, did your value change? Certainly I'm a much better coach today after coaching thousands of business owners and independent contractors than I was in 2008, right? So the value has changed. So the, the value, fee, commission, cost, price, all has to go up as well to, to be equivalent to that value. In fact, you have to always make sure the value should always be higher than the price because then the price doesn't become an issue anymore. It just doesn't. Definitely. No, that's some phenomenal advice. So I guess one of the next pieces of, of, of content that I found extremely beneficial in, in, the, in the book was related to automation, um, in particular related to, you know, constantly touching people from a marketing perspective. Uh, can you kind of elaborate a little bit on the systems that you created? And this is something that I'm personally including right now in my business, because a lot of the email campaigns that I've been dr driving and stuff like that, I've had to manually do myself. And, and what, what, what you talk about in the book too, is, is saying like, is that the best value of your time? Like if, if you were to, you know, outsource that to someone making $15 an hour, could you potentially make another $50 or hundred dollars an hour with your time? And so having that value thought process is, is, is also extremely important. So I guess, could you talk, touch on a little bit about how do you approach automating a system uh, I guess, within your business or how do you recommend some of your clients do so uh, in their marketing campaigns? Yeah, well, you, you talked about two different things there though. One, sure. one, was the H, one, one was the HR side, which is the outsourcing. One was the operations side, which is the processing. So we'll focus on the processing right now. Um, look, if, you're, if you repeat tasks in your business, I don't care if it's new client orientation or it's new employee onboarding or it's how to deal with receivables or how to deal with payables or whatever. Look, you all do some, certain things all the time, every month, repeat, repeat, repeat. You got to create a process. You got you to gotta take the time to work on your business, not in your business, and just write down step-by-step -step how things need to work. So when someone else comes behind you or replaces you, that process will not change. It, it just will not. Um, and these are the steps that you need to do to get things done. For example, my marketing woman, she actually followed everything in the book. She's 26 years old and she's going to net seven figures this year. Let me repeat that. She followed everything in the book. She's 26 years old and she's going to net seven figures this year. And so she's leaving me because her fees went extremely high. And I love her, but I said, uh, I'm going to leave her name out. I said, look, we're oh, <laughs> not going to pay those fees. But, but I was so thrilled because she graduated. But what she did before she left, she sent me something two days ago and said, Rod, here's your marketing processing playbook. And it was 15 pages step-by-step -step of how we do our webinars, how we do our weekly Massimo Minutes, how we do our campaigns and follow-ups and emails. And it was step-by-step-by-step. Step step. She wrote, so now me hiring someone, I can go, I'm, in fact, I'm doing this. I'm hiring a kid from college to replace this woman who has charged me a lot of money, right? And say, you're now doing it, here's the playbook. I'm done. I, I'm, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to train you. I will. But everything is a process. So that's the automation. That's the redundancy that you have to get. Now, I did talk about in the book, and there are softwares out there. Don't, don't worry about what I use. What I use is a high, high cost, high complexity, which no one needs to use unless you get to a certain you know, point of revenue. But everything we do is automated at the Massimo Group. 
every single thing we do at the, the Mastema Group is automated. Touch of a button, things start to happen, process work, people get tasked to do things, they hit buttons, certain emails go out, certain tasks get fulfilled because it allows us to leverage technology, which everyone can do today, and just say, you know what, I'm good. And so you talk to a client, hit a button, or talk to a prospect, hit a button, they get some emails, you, you, you can customize those, um, but you're good. So that's what I mean by processing and automation. Definitely. No, for sure. And I, the, the way I've been incorporating it into, into my business is obviously I run a few meetups and I do have some email automation in place as well. So documenting every that in like a, a PDF format and then doing like a recording. So I go on Zoom and then I walk through the process step by step and then I throw it in a folder. And, you know, at, at a certain point when I have enough revenue to be able to hire like an executive assistant or whatever else, that's what you send them. Say, hey, look, this is what we're going to be this is your job entails. Here's your job description. And here's all the processes that you need to follow in order to make sure. And what I love about your approach, Raphael, is that you've put it in Zoom, which means it's now it's it's video, it's audio. And in fact, Zoom will transcribe it. So now it's it's also, or you can read it, right? So whoever's going to take that process, they'll learn the way they need to learn. So you've given them an opportunity to maximize what you did. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So can we kind of touch on a little bit on the HR side of things? Uh, this is primarily related to people who are right at the cusp of, you know, probably needing someone. How do you know when you need someone? Number number one. And number two, I guess, when you're when you're searching for this individual, how can you know that, I guess, what responsibilities to pass along to them? Sure. Well, if you're writing down everything you do, you're actually creating job descriptions with somebody else. Uh, let me just repeat that. When you start writing down everything you do, and then you identify it as sales, marketing, operations, finance, HR. Think about it. You're creating a job description for sales, for marketing, for operations, for, for finance and HR. You are. That's what you're doing. And we talk about that in the book. And that's, I think we actually end the book is creating these job descriptions for others to do work for you or with you. Now, don't freak out if you're just starting out or you're, you're tight on funds. Look, you can find so much talent on places like Upwork. I found a lot of talent. I started the company using Upwork. Someone in India, run a list and do research. I still use those people today, 13 years later, research, content. Um, I have someone in the Philippines now that's doing some of my LinkedIn work, right? So what I read in, what I read in the book, Hyper Sales Growth, I mentioned this in the book, is it was by Jack Daly. And, and I mentioned this also. I read books. And if I get one good thing out of a book, it was worth the 25 bucks, whatever it was, right? Or the audible time. Um, and he said one sentence, which I think is nine words. If you don't have an admin, you are one. That's nine words. If you don't have an admin, you are one. And that, that hit me hard two or three years in the business. And I was doing everything. I was a janitor. I was a CFO. I was a CEO. I was a head of marketing. I was making so many mistakes. So I finally said, you know, I need an admin. And I reached out to uh, someone part-time. It's funny. She was part-time and she just celebrated her 10-year anniversary last week. Full-time now, of course. Um, she was part-time, she started though, and said, look, I need help on an admin side. And that was Maggie, uh, Maggie the Magnificent. And she um, has now been with me for 10 years. So don't think full-time employee, don't think, I spent all this money. Think about yourself on the HR side. And remember, just cause you can do things faster or better than anybody else, that's not gonna make you wealthier. It's just not. Yeah, no, and then kind of to your point, right? It's it's what what is your time worth? Understanding what your time's worth, and if if your time's higher than what you know the the cost would be to pay someone to do the the task, it may be something that you need to explore as as if you want to actually scale your business. So that's awesome. 
All right. So I guess what, before we open up to questions, I wanted to ask uh, outside of your book, because again, I, I highly recommend you guys check out his book. It really is a phenomenal uh, book and it's, it's very actionable, which is what I really appreciate about it. But outside of your book, what are some of the best resources that you would recommend to, you know, help people really just grow their business? You know, there are so many great podcasts um, that you can, you can listen to as long as they're actionable. Right. So mm -hmm. you know, I, I did, I, I'm, I'm kind of weaning off. Not, no, just cause I got, I got, I understand his message now, Gary V. I actually visited with Gary V. I invested in myself. I get coached. Look, you be leery of a coach who doesn't get coached. So one thing you can do is get coached. Obviously we're a coaching organization and yeah, we'd love to talk to you if that's what you want, but more importantly for you, training's good. Training's information, coaching transformation. You gotta figure out what you want. Podcasts. I'm really digging right now clubhouse because what I'm doing is I'm tagging certain people, just, just certain people. I want to see what they say. Like the other day, Jay Abrams, I don't know if you follow Jay Abrams or not, just a marketing maven. Um, he actually, Saturday, he just popped up on my phone Saturday, like at three o'clock saying Jay Abrams on the line. So I jumped on list and, and I just sat there for 45 minutes mesmerized by everything he had to tell me. It was, it was incredible. It, it was. Uh, so Clubhouse is free. That's a beautiful thing about Clubhouse, right? It's free. You have an iPhone, iPad, it's free. You don't, you can't get it, unfortunately. Um, so that an amazing uh, instruction there. But here's the thing. You, you got to decide to, to the, this is the only two questions you need to ask. I didn't even ask this in the book. These are the two questions you need to ask. Number one, what do I want? What do I want personally, professionally, financially? What do I want personally? professionally, financially. You, you got to define that. It's, and by the way, that's a hard question. If I asked you right now, you would be like, you know, I don't even need to think about that. We do. It's almost like saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I'm, I'm 57 now going more towards 58. And I'm going, I'm still thinking to myself what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I am. So number one, what do you want? Number two, are you going to get it? What's the plan you're going to take to make that happen? Right? Are you gonna stop making excuses and start making commitments? Is this the day? Is this the year? Is this the month? No, according to, when we're recording this, it's, it's April 1st. Why not start today? Why not? So that's what I'd say as far as HR. Oh, for sure. No, and, and I, I really do agree with you on the coaching side. I've, I've, co I've been coached for years um, and I, I think it's made a huge difference in my, my ability to, you know, reach my goals because you have an accountability, right? You have someone that you're accountable to and someone who has a different perspective on, you know, their business, you know? So I think, I think it's been, it's crucial um, in my opinion. So definitely some great advice. I'm going right. to, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to one thing for a second that you said again, I think the word was so important. Um, it's a true story. I was sitting in a conference two weeks ago, um, 2,000 people with no mask, <laughs> but, uh, but I've had my test since then and I'm COVID free. I've had COVID already, but I'm COVID free. And uh, I was thinking about investing in myself to the tune of, and I, don't, you know, I, I share everything, to about $40,000. So I picked up my phone and I texted my wife and said, look, I'm going to invest 40K in myself. Um, and she just texts back, okay, right? Okay. You know, and it doesn't matter how much money you're making or netting or taking home, right? It matters. She knew right then that I believe in myself and I believe that I could take this $40,000 and make it $400,000 within a year. That's, she knows I, that's because that's who, what I am. That's what I just figure on. And today we talked to a, we talked to a prospect. He talked to his wife. 
and his wife's and then and the investment at that time I think was five thousand dollars and his and they came back and said no my wife and this is only the wife or husband is not the issue or the spouse says no uh, we can't do that and so my my question was do you believe in yourself do you do you, you know and does your wife believe in you or your husband believe in you and if not why not it's probably because you don't believe in yourself right that's probably the number one reason so. Back to your point, you, you said, I think you said the magic word of the day. I really do. Do you have the belief that you can succeed? Do you truly believe you can? Is your product, is your service worth putting in the marketplace? Is what you're saying worth listening to? It's the belief that it just, it takes care of every single other thing. That's what I think, but go ahead. hundred <laughs> percent. No, no, I hundred percent agree with you. Confidence in your ability, confidence in what you're providing in the marketplace is crucial. And people read that. So if, if, you, if you're not confident in what you're putting out there, your prospect's going to know. And they not, may not want to do business with you. But most likely, they won't want to do business with you. So um, that's awesome. All right. So I guess what we'll go ahead and do, we have, we have a little time now to be able to open up to questions. So if any of you guys in the Zoom uh, want to be able to provide some insights, or, or I'm sorry, ask any questions, I will also be checking on Facebook to see if anyone has any questions as well. All right. Let's see. Okay. Let me check Facebook one time. Okay. I think, I mean, it looks like there's no other questions. So, I mean, Rod, I mean, Thanks again for stopping by. I really do appreciate it. You, you provided some great insights. For those of you guys who are watching on live, uh, we will be posting this on YouTube as well. Uh, so this will be viewed in perpetuity and everything else. Again, if you haven't already, definitely check out his book, uh, Knowing Isn't Doing. It's a phenomenal book. Again, it's provided a ton of great insights uh, that I've been trying to incorporate in my business as well. Uh, Rod, if people want to learn more about you or get in contact with you, what would you recommend uh, that they do? You can go to knowingisndoing.com, knowingisndoing.com. We'll share to you how to get in touch with me, the book and everything else. I think that's the number one way, knowingisndoing.com. Awesome. Well, Rod, again, thank you so much. Thanks to you all who tuned in to check it out and we'll see you guys next time. Hey, buddy, take care. See you guys.